Hello and welcome to the Psalmcast, a journey through the book of Psalms as part of a series that Thrive Harbor is doing on prayer. And this morning we come to Psalm 3. Let me read it for you. Psalm 3, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me! Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. So the last couple of days, we were looking at Psalms 1 and 2, which are the entrance to the psalm book that explain how to approach the psalms, what the right posture of heart is to do that. And now you get to Psalm 3, where you get to really apply those things. And this psalm is grounded on a promise. So if you look at the, the heading, there's actually a context that's given. So this is a psalm by David. And this is after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered Bathsheba's husband. And if you go back to that story in 2 Samuel chapter 12, you find out that because of David's sin, God had told him that just as he's, he had used the sword to kill an innocent man, so the sword would strike his own house. And to make a long story short, through all kinds of intrigue and plot twists, that ultimately comes to pass with the circumstances of this psalm when David's very son, Absalom, rebels against him. And so if you kind of hold that scene in your mind as you um, think about this psalm, it begins to make a little bit more sense. So the scene is that David has had to leave Jerusalem and he's only been able to go with a couple friends. And, and meanwhile, his, his own son has stolen the hearts away of, of David's former subjects. And so if you imagine that now, as I read the first two verses again, where David says, O Lord, how many are my foes, how many rise up against me. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. So just, I mean, think about the sting that that would have held for David, the taunt there that's in that last verse where, you know, he says, many are saying, God's not going to deliver me. Like God's no longer on my side. God's no longer for me. I mean, that would have stung because on the outside, the people who once were David's friends have now become his enemies and public enemy number one is his own son. So there's a sense of betrayal there. And then on the inside, I would imagine that David could very well have been wrestling with a sense of guilt and shame because it was his sin that had led him into the whole this situation in the first place. And so this 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 taunt of his enemies that that God is no longer for him would have carried a real weight. But then if you look at the verses following, David runs at this challenge with an enormous confidence. So he says in verses 3 and 4, Speaking to the Lord, you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. I don't think David made this confidence up, but that instead he drew his sense of confidence from the very promise that God had made that Absalom would not succeed. If you go back to the book of 2 Samuel in chapter 7, long before Absalom, long before Bathsheba, God had made a promise of many things to David, but two of the promises contained in that chapter are these. Number one, in, in verse nine, is that God was going to make David's name great. 
And then in verse 10, that God would give David rest from his enemies. Now, obviously, if, if Absalom has taken the reins and if Absalom has slandered his own father's good name, then neither of those promises can, can come to pass. And I think that it would have been with those promises in view that David is able to say the things that he says in, in these verses. Let me just break these down into three different statements here. So first of all, David says, of the Lord, you are a shield around me. I just love this. I mean, imagine what that actually means. I mean, if you think about a shield, a shield is a device that takes the hit so that you don't have to. You know, what I think of here is that, that great scene at the end of Fellowship of the Ring, the, you know, the film, and, and uh, you know, Mary and Pippin, the two hobbits, are being attacked by all of these, these orcs, and, and Boromir, who's, you know, literally twice as big as they are, winds up t- literally being their shield. He gets stuck full of arrows trying to protect and defend them, and he gives his life to save them. This is what David says the Lord is to him. The Lord is the one who takes the hit so that he doesn't have to. He also says here, number two, you bestow glory on me. Uh, The word glory in Hebrew is a word that refers to weight or heaviness. And so just what a special thing for David to pray here. You know, if you were to give a modern spin to the situation he's in. At this moment, David is essentially going through a midlife crisis. I mean, it's obviously a crisis. It's probably the biggest crisis that he's ever experienced in his life. But the reason that I kind of put that spin on it is that what's happened here is that David's identity has become inherently vulnerable. I mean, he's been stripped of everything, his home, his power, his influence. He's lost his role. You know, he's lost his day job and he can no longer derive his, his glory, the, the sense of, of, of weight or significance to his life from what he did or what his position was or what other people think of him. But what he says here is that when he comes to God, he finds his glory in him. What he essentially is praying here is he's saying, Lord, you are the one who gives weight to my life. You are the source of my significance. You're the one who looks on my life and says, it does matter. You do have purpose for me. And then third and finally, he says, you are the one who lifts up my head. Or, you know, to paraphrase that, it's David's way of saying, God, you are the one who honor me. Your honor is greater than my shame. So in these verses, what David is doing in in prayer, the way that that David approaches prayer is, is to remind his heart of what he knows to be true. God's promise is like a pillow for his head. It's why in the, in the very next verse, he's able to have such peace that the text says he's able to sleep like a baby, even though there's literally a war zone out there all around him. That kind of gives a, a little bit of, of a framework for, for the rest of the verses in the psalm, which I'm not going not gonna to read right now. But just as a point of application here, what I think of when I think of what David is doing here is of the promises that God has given to every single Christian, every single believer in Jesus. You know, For example, think of Romans 8, where God says that nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of a God who is for us in Christ Jesus. And it may not be the case that, that we would be surrounded by the kind of literal enemies that David has here. But it's very, very common to feel surrounded by all kinds of lies and attacks of the enemy that would come against our identity as sons and daughters of God. 
prayer is a way of looking to the truth and reminding our hearts of, of, of what those things are. And in the same way that the prayers that David prays here are grounded on the promises that God has given him through his word, the basis of all prayer uh, for, for believers is the exact same thing, that God has given us promises in his word that nothing, no nothing, no nothing, can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, this psalm can be just as powerful a prayer for, for us to pray as Christians based on the promises that God has given to us. So there are a couple of thoughts on Psalm 3, and uh, join us again as we continue to look through this wonderful book of the Psalms.